Ethan Hawke for his final mission. Must travel back in time and bang himself. This is spoilers. This is spoilers. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Stevie, coming live from Josh's basement in Elkhart, Indiana. Goshen. Dude, it's Elkhart. Don't try. No, this is Elkhart 100%. Anyway, um, we're in a little kind of house of horrors here, so if I sound funny, it's because Josh has like a bunch of like toy blocks sitting around me and Mikey. So We're in the lab. We are in the lab making mad beats. <laughs> it's me, Mikey, Josh, and Chet Hanks just making mad beats. Don't do it. <laughs> Big up! Chet's there! (laughs) Big up! Um, Anyway, uh, who else we have on? See, we have Brett on this podcast. We have Pappy. Also, Kylo, Corey, Ren memes as well. And um, let's go from Weesist to Eastist. And let's get real philosophical with it. Um, If you could change one thing in your past, that could be an embarrassing moment or something real small, what would it be? Oh, man. Oh, boy. All right, I'm Corey, recording out of Simi Valley, California, also known as Kylo Ren memes. Biggle! Um, that's hard to say, man. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. This is so <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> uh, I would have probably never tried meth for the first time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good, good one. one. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna I mean, make mine seem like uh, not very important. I have to follow that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yes, okay. yes, you do. Well, this is Pappy recording from uh, Louisville, Colorado. Next, most weesis. Um, I mean, can I say if I could go back in time, I would like invest in a bunch of stocks and gamble on sports and stuff. Oh. I feel like that's what I would do differently. <laughs> Isn't that the, the plot to Back to the Future Part 2? <laughs> well, I wish Thank you, Corey. I wish I would have gone to community college and saved some money. Uh, I feel like I took on mm-hmm. a bunch of stupid student loan debt, which isn't really helping too much. But also the show community looks really fun. So I think it could have been a little bit of fun, a little bit of saving some money. You fucked up, Pat. Well, I didn't <laughs> try math, so... <laughs> Uh, I would, Pat, that's a good one. I wouldn't go uh, to a big school. That's a lot of money that I now have to owe. But I would also, um, I don't know. I'm thinking back on just like parking tickets, (laughs) speeding tickets, uh, missed bills, stuff like that. Just, uh, I don't know. Just being more organized financially i think would be a big one this is josh from goshen indiana um i'm not gonna let stevie tell me what my street address is it's goshen indiana (laughs) so (laughs) um man i'll riff off mikey a little bit but in college my last semester there i was like screw these bloomington indiana parking tickets these are never gonna amount to anything (laughs) and like i worked at yogi's bar and grill back then and literally every cent I made the whole year is like $2,700 straight to parking tickets. I'm pretty sure they hold your degree until you pay them off, too. Uh, it was like for the city, and I got like a subpoena. Uh, yeah, if you, have, if you have ones on school campus, then they'll hold it until you pay. It wasn't necessarily that they're going to not let me graduate. It's that they weren't going to let me uh, 
have my own free will overall. Oh. <laughs> Did you get served papers? Is that how that? Yeah, I got some letters in the mail. I was like, hey, you need to come down here and talk to us about this over two thousand dollars and, and get a lawyer. <laughs> I actually, uh, I wrote a paper in college about how uh, Bloomington IU made more money off parking tickets in the city of Indianapolis. So um, it's pretty crappy. I, everyone hated that so much. Uh, well, that's a nice. That was a non- great uh, segue. Yeah, awesome. Um, oh man, there's so many mistakes I've made. Um, I probably would go back and settle on a major, stick with it, and do better in school when I went to college. Brett, I loved you just like you were. <laughs> I know, but I could have been fun too by go and still going to class. <laughs> we might not have had beer pong Mondays like we did, but a lot of college regret on this podcast. Yeah, dang, serious. I'm just going to take it lighthearted then. Uh, I could do college as well, but um, I was a very, like, do-as-you're-told kid. And in the second grade, this is near the end of the day, I had to go to the bathroom in the worst way. And my teacher, who shall not be named... Mrs. Barr. Mrs. Barr wouldn't let me go. I was, like, pleading with her. I had that face of, like, real, like, oh, my God, this is about to happen. Look on my face. And I wish... If I could just go back, I just would have ran out of the room and taken the consequences. But instead, I followed the rules and ran to the corner of the room and peed myself. And everyone made fun of me. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I don't remember uh, that at Stevie. all. Stevie. Same that? exact thing oh, happened yeah, to me dude. in third grade. It was tragic. I feel you. It was so traumatic for Pappy, he blocked it out of his mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine happened during a baseball game, so I feel you. Well, at least it wasn't poop. At least you didn't poop. It wasn't poop. I was also wearing, like, those, like, windbreaker, like, sweatpants. So it was, like, super obvious, but only, like, part of it was shiny. Like, that has never left uh, my brain. It was awful. Yes, that's the one thing I would change. It's a character-defining moment. It really was. <laughs> Sweet. Great pod, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the end of the podcast, I feel like. You want to go home and rethink about. your life. Good night, everybody. But today, we are talking about predestination. That doesn't have a beginning, middle, nor an end. So, Josh, start anywhere in this movie that you'd like. Because <laughs> uh, really, there's nowhere to start. Start on any character. Tell you what, start on Jane. I'll, how about if I start on a plot point? <laughs> there you go. Good oh, for nice. you. Let's do that. Because I think there's a good pivotal one that we can talk about. And that is, um, Corey, you'll appreciate this. This is when our main character gets totally Anakin Skywalker in, like, <laughs> that lab. What is that? Like a. What? There's a bunch what are you of. What about? Like a boiler room? Yeah. Yeah, there's a boiler room and a bomb goes off. Oh, that's what you mean by Anakin Skywalker. I was confused. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just start there. The first time we see this boiler room, our main character approaches and you see this bomb. It's ticking down. Tick, tick, tick. And he approaches it. He starts uh, reconfiguring all the wires and he's about to dismantle it. And he hears like a gun cock. And basically a fight ensues. And he's able to get the other person to run away, but he can't quite disarm the bomb in time. And it goes off partially. And like I said, Anakin Skywalker's in really hit. Stevie, when you picked this movie, you said it was a comfort film. One of the first, <laughs> really? one of the first scenes is this dude getting his face melted off. <laughs> Did I really well, call yeah, it a comfort then- film? 
Yeah. And then a guy comes off screen and kicks the thing and he goes, you were the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> I had the high ground. And, it and then the guy, in, the guy in the fire is like, I hate you. And he just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually, that is kind of the beginning of this movie. And we kind of wake up to Ethan Hawke looking. How would you describe how Ethan Hawke looks, Mikey? Uh, Ugly. He's an ugly man. <laughs> yeah, he he looks like Deadpool. Uh, mm-hmm. No, he, um, yeah. He's like a white orc. Yeah, he gets his <laughs> face reconstructed, and he does look a lot like Deadpool. Uh, he's got pretty much, uh, his whole face was blown off and totally stitched back onto his skull. There's a, a stitch going around his entire face. So he was pretty messed up uh, before the uh, surgery. So they didn't give him a new face? Well, they wanted to take his face off. off. <laughs> oh. Speaking of episodes from Josh's basement. <laughs> I don't know what they did, Corey. I mean, said it like was going to heal differently, so I guess. We're going to make you more handsome. They just gave him yeah. a new face, right? It's all it was, right? Well, I'll say this. The movie does a good job of not showing, well, I don't know the character's name, uh, fucking... The Fizz Buster. The lady from Fizz Succession. <laughs> Fizzle Bomb. Jane? Jane? Uh, Jane? Jane? Yeah. Jane like, and John. Throughout the whole part where they're in the bar, like they don't really like stand next to each other. Like If you saw Ethan Hawke's big man hands compared to her little lady hands, it would be very obvious that they were different bodies. Yeah. Yeah, that's where like half the movie takes place. And Pappy, they talk a lot about the temporal agency what exactly is the purpose of it? Because I think there's a few different like interpretations of what actually the tem- the temporal agency actually is. Yeah, there's definitely a few different interpretations. The one that I would go with is that it's always it's always existed, right? Like it wasn't necessarily founded by any person, and like just in the same way that Jane slash Ethan Hawke have always been in the time loop, the agency has always existed and like time travels always existed then like stevie do you think it was like founded and like this time loop was kicked off at some point is that like the other reading well they make he makes a point that it's 53 years from point zero either way in 1981 is like when time travel was founded they say that kind of like in a hurry of passing when john is discovering time travel for the first time before they go to the university and I think, I mean, it would have to be 53 years either way when the loop was created, right? Mm-hmm. Like when like the paradox is actually created. Well, is Pappy implying that anyone that gets involved in this time travel technology at all gets kind of stuck? Is that what you're saying? I mean... So like Mr. Robertson is also stuck in his own loop too? No. I feel like he does jump around a little bit, but... I feel like this like this loop has always existed. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't think that there was a time when this loop didn't exist. If that makes sense, right? There, yeah. there couldn't have been. Yeah. So like, it's it's not like there was a timeline where there wasn't an agency, and all of a sudden this guy discovered it. Like I, like I feel like because I feel like the argument could be made that Jane was manipulated by Mister Robinson to do all of this. You know what I mean? I think if you look at like Wikipedia, that's pretty much what it said. He did that so Jane, John would have no ties to time or family. 
Which is like the perfect agent. Yeah, the mm-hmm. perfect agent. So well, and old Ethan Hawk calls that out. Like old internet troll gamer hawk. Fizzle bomber hawk? <laughs> gamer tag fizzle bomber. <laughs> fizzle bomber hawk. He's like an internet troll. He's like been drinking way too much Red Bull and stuff. <laughs> You look good. I miss you. You're the Fizzle Bomb? <laughs> we always hated that name. Remember? He's deep into psychosis. He might as well be wearing like a tinfoil helmet at the time, but he does <laughs> say, like, Mr. Robinson's been pulling the strings all along. I think he said something about dominoes, right? He's just been watching them mm. fall. <laughs> I feel bad for old Ethan Hawke there. Why? Uh, He's psychotic. Yeah. And he had like newspaper clippings of his good deeds. He like had his resume. He was ready for an interview where he either gets killed or gets to marry his best friend. He had kind of a, a Mr. Glass vibe going on, thinking yeah. he was doing the right thing by being a... a terrorist or whatever well they did say all this time travel would like mess up your head and stuff yeah he's jumping around quite a bit yeah steve you have a question about the fizzle bomber what a great name right well i agree so the fizzle bomber like he's detonating bombs at different points in time is he doing it at different points in time in like every loop you know what I mean? Or is it like I didn't quite understand like cuz they said it's always in March but he does it on different days. He does so, it on different days. So like once Ethan Hawke the bartender goes back and kills uh what's the guy from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People at the end? Psycho Sam? Psycho Sam version of Ethan Hawke? Like Psycho nice. Sam. <laughs> what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> like once once that happens does the big explosion actually happen or does he prevent it? I I can't wrap my head around that plot point. So, there's a few plot points we'll get to that. Well, he said the word inevitable, and they showed a picture of that newspaper clipping, like, mm-hmm. four times. So, so I think, I think that, that one has to happen. But he shoots him, because he has the outline, the silhouette of him, and he shoots him but before. But then he becomes him. Right, but then yeah, he becomes gonna become him, it's him. inevitable. That's, like, the loop. That's why there is, like, no, like, beginning, middle, or end to this movie. He has to be him. Like, without a fizzle bomber, there's no John... But without a John, there's no Jane. Without no Jane, there's baby okay. barkeep. So every time around the loop, is he jumping back to 1975 when he gets decommissioned? Or is it like move some time out? Like, I think it's always in 75. Oh, because he's jumping around and going crazy and he's going back. Okay. Right. Every time it's, he goes back to 75 and like lets off that massive explosion. But you think like he prevents it. Because hasn't done it yet, but eventually he's going to do it anyway. If you haven't seen this movie, you're fucked for this podcast. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> kiss, kiss, bang, bang levels of complexity. Yeah, good this luck. Is... <laughs> Brett. Is there a point to going through plot point by plot point I, here, though? No, Bobby? I don't. I got something that I... I think if I was Stevie, what I would say at the beginning was, at one point, Ethan Hawke kidnaps himself from himself when he was impregnated by himself and they are the children of himself. That's they it, guys. We're done. We're done, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, do you guys, I mean, isn't there like an old 
trope where like if you touch yourself in the past you cause a void out or whatever <laughs> you cause like a <laughs> rift in the time space continuum That's butterfly and, effect yeah and he's straight up penetrating himself well they talk about that like <laughs> mr robertson or whatever talks about like how they fix like the temporal wakes they disturb they fix the glitch. They fix it. They <laughs> fix the glitch. But there are some things that are just too great they can't fix. Mr. Robertson is just like, to me, he's like partying, having a good time. Like, I think he's just enjoying this experiment play out. It's so weird. What, what is he doing? Good job, son. You're going to go crazy one day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has like the exact same role in Vanilla Sky. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Is he in that? Is that where Tom yeah. Cruise gets a new face? Yeah. Yeah, so there's Ooh. another similarity. But it's also kind of like Minority Report, isn't it? I haven't seen that either. Like, they're trying to prevent crimes before they happen? Pre-crime. Yeah, in that way, yeah, but there's not time travel. Right, there's no time travel. They just have, like, some... So, yeah. my question to the group, then, is Ethan Hawke's character, like, the basis for how they train other agents? Or, like, is he the best? Like, what's the point oh. of... Doing this continuous loop. Yeah, I was wondering if uh, this whole organization is just built solely for this one mission. If, well, he said like there was nine, right? There's eleven. Nine, 11. There's eleven agents. Yeah, but you don't see them. And I mean, what we're doing now is having a crazy effect on time on itself. This guy is banging himself <laughs> in the past. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be causing some rifts. I can't. Imagine they're keeping all those timelines straight. The question I have is that at the end, Psycho Sam Ethan Hawke has like all of the <laughs> newspaper clippings of the crimes he's prevented, right? Yeah. He has like the before and after, yeah. So like, did those crimes ever actually happen or are there multiple timelines? Like paradoxical he loops? Got, he probably went in the future, got headlines and then went back to stop him. Stop those. So he's got the newspaper clippings from the future after it already happened. And then he goes back and stops him. That's why he's got the I disagree with that because I don't think in this universe anything in the past actually has ever changed the future. The future just is in the past. Like, like Ethan Hawke can't get out of the loop. You know what I mean? He thinks by killing Psycho Sam he is, but he's not. Like, Are they actually changing the future or is the future just always is no matter what they do? Well, I think based on the title alone, everything is just set that way. So I think that I think what you're saying, Pappy, is probably close to accurate. Pretty much everything they have to like try to explain is the reasoning for why it stays the same. So like every choice, like the one that comes to mind for me right now is when he sends Jane back, and he's like, "If I could put anyone in front of you," when he sends John back to Jane, when he sends Jane back. To, yeah, the new new John. John. He sends John new back John. to Jane. Yeah. Yeah. John sends new John, John back to Jane. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so convoluted. But anyway, he's like, hey, you can go back there and kill the person who ruined your life. And she goes back there and she realizes she is a person. But that's not going to change anything because it's already... Unless she kills herself, bro. I think it's pretty obvious here like what she needs to do. It's like Kylo Ren. I know what I need to do. <laughs> Ethan Hawke's character is trying to do he doesn't want to close the loop himself he wants Bar John to kill female John female Jane in that park so he doesn't have to do it 
This is a fucking mess. <laughs> yes, I it love is. it. <laughs> is that like kind of his Boys, we're caught in a paradoxical loop. This is why it's a comfort movie. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> to get angry about. What if I could put him in front of you? Huh? The man that ruined your life. And if I could guarantee you that you'd get away with it. Would you kill him? In a heartbeat. I know where he is. So, the part I'm confused at is definitely once we leave the bar and go go to the college, like, he has to... I understand that Jane didn't have, like, she threw away the mirrors, like, age 12. So, I'm sick of looking at myself. I hate what I look like, yada, yada. But as a man, you have to realize that's your female self. Yeah, it's probably not as easy as you think. It happened to me once, and I didn't recognize her at all, so. What? <laughs> Nothing. Wait. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Nothing. I, look, this isn't Brett's first time loop, okay? <laughs> no. I've, I'm in a paradox, a predestination paradox. In the script and what we see on screen is kind of a way to explain that, in that when she had the sex change, kind of things went fuzzy. Gender, gender like reassignment. There's definitely like a before and after with her psyche. Do you think it was too because like no one loved her until she did as a man? Like it kind of was like vice versa because they talk about like during training how she never thinks about sex or like how like a man is like never made a pass at her and stuff like that. Like do you think it's because like this girl never feels loved? I have to love her. Like that could be a part of it as well. That makes sense. She was pretty lonely. Uh, she didn't have anybody. I think they were just for what they needed, what each other needed. I don't know. Only person that, I mean, they were ostracized their whole life and singled out for being weird. And they finally come up against their person. That's like their, their other half. And they just loved it. I don't know. I like that, Brett. That's a pretty, like, that's the crux of the movie. I think the fact that they got together, loved each other, screwed rather quickly there. And got pregnant, like, and had the baby. That's, like, a pretty big deal. So I think that motivation, is it is it there enough? I, I think so. <laughs> Does anybody else Happy? watch Succession? Is it just me and Stevie? I, I don't, yeah. No. no. Stevie, did, It's amazing. Did you, had you, had you seen this movie before you saw Succession? Oh, yeah, I saw this movie probably two years ago. And I just started watching Succession this year. Well, as soon as I saw Shiv, like I knew it was like a woman playing a man. But like, do, do, Stevie, do you think she actually pulls it off? Because that's like, if she doesn't pull it off, the whole movie doesn't work as far as a performance. She, she's almost a bigger part of the movie than Ethan Hawke. She is. Um, <clears throat> they talk about that in a lot of the making of this movie, the Spirit Brothers, as well as like the practical like makeup team. Like they talked heavily about, do we get you know, four different people to play these four people or, you know, how do we go about doing this? And um, they went through a lot of prosthetic work. And before, I had never seen Succession. And so when I first saw this movie and she went, John went into the bar, I knew something was off, but I think she pulled it off rather well. I think she looked like someone that had gender reassignment surgery. Definitely. Yes. It, it didn't take... Uh, Brittany and I long 
to to get that. I don't think it took anybody very long. She's she's almost too good looking though for me to believe that like no man's ever made a pass at her. You know what I mean? Like she's in the uh the Space Corp? Is that what it's called? How awesome were those sets, by Space the way? Force. Yeah. Space, Space Force. Corp was awesome. Those are some of the best parts of the movie. When they had the helmets on and they're doing like the Jedi training. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but she's there and like she takes off her glasses and all of a sudden the astronauts are all like, ooh, now she's a good looking lady. They were literally just like training to bang astronauts, right? Concubines. Yeah. Wow. That's weird. But they would eventually be, they're like Christian concubines. They would become your marriage mates or something weird. Yeah, you're going to mate for life. Otherwise, you're just going to get space hysteria at that some point. Um, but what a shallow 1960s idea, though. Like, we're sending our boys up to space. They need someone to screw They deserve the best. <laughs> they deserve <laughs> the best. <laughs> but also, not really, because it was a front for the organization. So. I guess they weren't planning on really doing that. That's just how they were selling it. I always forget that part because Space Corp. I don't know. It, it, the sets just seem so real to me, as well as going to sequel part of the story. I always forget that that's just a front for time travel. Even in the '60s, it was already planned out just to tease out the Ethan Hawke guy. I didn't think so. It, you think it's actual Space Corp? I did. I did too. Robertson it, I, later I, I says that it's a front for the yeah. organization, and he says what they really do is uh, reshape wrongdoings. He says that's actually one of many fronts they have. Take it for what it's worth, but Wikipedia says revealing that Space Corp was really a part of the temporal agency the whole time. So, I mean, yeah. If you have control of the temporal agency, you can do whatever you want, I guess. So that's why I guess I kind of buy this Robertson character. It's like, maybe he's done a bunch of stuff and this is like his master project. Like, He's creating a person out of nothing. It's like immaculate conception. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> I mean, yeah. is this the core function of the organization now? Is just this Ethan Hawke loop? It's never ending. There has to be other loops. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Like, what else is going on? What a great, tele- what what a great the- television show <laughs> would make if there were other loops, though. Yeah, they could have a cinematic universe. Because <laughs> I don't think LCU. Robertson cares about the terrorist attacks, right? He doesn't. Well, he cares because it gets the government off his back. Because he can say, look at all these like, people dying. Like, if you get off my back and like limit my restrictions, I can go and save these people. But nobody has put two and two together that it's him, it's his guys doing the terrorist attacks? I don't think so. Okay. So you think the Robinson guy is just moving linearly through time and like there was a time when all these like really shitty things happened he invents the temporal agency and undoes them and he's just kind of like the puppeteer is that what we're saying <laughs> i don't know i don't know how much he cares about undoing this bad stuff to be honest he seems to me like he has a higher mission than that josiah was getting that earlier what's the higher mission josh to create an immaculate Conception to bang yourself in the to past. Bang yourself, kidnap yourself. <laughs> to create a Jesus character. <laughs> Just for you, Josh. Jesus like character. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, Mr. Robinson has a sick fetish that he wants to plan out. <laughs> Use all of his resources to do this one thing, and he's just testing it, pulling strings. 
<laughs> used all of no no- November to think of this plan. <laughs> it's important we keep certain government operations confidential. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, sir. I work for an organization whose primary purpose is not space travel. It's reshaping wrongdoings. We use Space Corp, among others, as a means of finding people who are special. They are what you might call a recruitment agency. I don't understand. A recruitment agency for what? For people with exceptional abilities. It is a confusing movie. There's a lot of information going on. I'm glad we're like discussing stuff that we may have not gotten. But did you guys have like a favorite part of the movie or like this definitely is like the shining light of the whole movie? Well, I just thought it was this isn't my favorite part, but I thought it was kind of interesting <laughs> for like what we've been covering lately. When Jane tells her story about like when she was left at an orphanage in 1945, she says, "I was a foundling." Yeah, it's pretty funny. I liked uh, Ethan Hawke uh, just making the small talk at the bar in the beginning. I thought, yeah, that was really good scene. And uh, I mean, that's kind of like the crux of the movie is to kind of entice you to wonder what this woman's story is about. Like half the movie takes place in that. Bar. Is it too much? I don't know. It started off really strong for me. Like, I think part of me had attention that he was going to use one of his two guns to just blow her away if she admitted that she was the fizzy bomber. Fizzle. (laughs) The fizzy lifting drinks bomber. Fizzy lifting. (laughs) I think it kind of blows the surprise a little early because she's talking kind of in depth about the bombs and stuff at the bar. But I I think uh, we don't know anything about the time travel aspect at that point, but it's like, she knows so much stuff about the fizzle bomber or whatever that she's she has all this technical knowledge on the bombs and stuff. It's like, well, are you the fizzle bomber? It's like you already know kind of that a lot was kind of great, though, wasn't it? Where she's like talking down on society, mm-hmm. saying like the fizzle bomber might be right. And you're, you are asking yourself, is this the fizzle bomber? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, like, it's not. But in theory, it really is. Because yeah, She's like, I have a story that you're not going to believe. Yeah, well, we're led to believe it is because we know he's after the fizzle bomber. Yeah. He goes into this bar. Uh, she walks in. He looks at his watch and he like, it clicks with him. He's like, okay, this is the time the person is supposed to walk in. And then he starts interacting with her or him, John. So, I mean, it is set up like this is the bomber. And it is. You're right. Later. <laughs> it is. But he he wasn't trying to get the bomber at that moment. Because right? she wasn't the bomber yet. She's still Jane. And the barkeep wasn't the bomber yet. No. So, I think he was just trying to find John. Yeah, he's trying to find John yeah. so he can send her back to get banged by Jane. <laughs> Am I using the right pronouns here? His yeah. real mission should have just been to wake up, shoot himself in the head, Ethan Hawke, and then that's roll credits. Well, wouldn't that even work, though? Wouldn't they have to all four die at the same time? He just has to die before he turns into... Uh, Rust Cole at the end. Rust Cole. <laughs> From season one of True Detective. One real big strength, I think, Stevie, is that you do see throughout Jane slash John's life, he goes through phases of being kind of darker light side. So when she's going through school, she's very like trying to get to the top and working hard. Then she's John and she's rough and tumble and like, ah, I could be a bomber. That'd be fun. But she's not yet. 
And then she gets really good as Ethan Hawke, the police time police officer. And then kind of towards the end of his or her life, she fades off again and becomes our internet troll <laughs> aging bomber. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Dirty Willie Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a favorite scene per se, but I thought the like attention to detail and the production design around the different times was really, really well done. Like the color scheme is very different. Like the seventies are very brown. The nineties are very black and white. And Stevie, you like sent me some picture earlier, like the Ethan Hawke's clothes are based on like pop culture people from the time or something. So if you look at it hard, it was like in the seventies, he was uh, dressed after Keith Richards and the, I believe in the forties section when he was in the forties, in the forties or and or the eighties, he was dressed as David Bowie in the 60s, he was dressed as Andy Warhol. And then when he was the Fizzle Bomber, he was modeled after Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brett, can you fact check all that? That's straight from the uh, <laughs> from the dress designer of the movie when she was being interviewed. Peter and Michael had a reference of David Bowie that they had really liked, and they'd shown Ethan, and Ethan really liked it. And then I extended it to other icons of an era that we could relate an era to. Keith Richards was referenced. Andy Warhol is referenced. Willie Nelson ended up being referenced. Ethan was very interested in being involved in the character, but he was also interested in listening to what a costume designer actually had to say. Jane had a lot of costumes. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of with Pappy. I love the production design of this movie. If I had like a favorite sequence of the movie, though, it was definitely when... It was Jane going through Space Corp the first time. I think that was like super strong in set design as well as acting and kind of like getting to know like who Jane actually is. I just think like watching her train as well as narrating from the bar was really neat. Can one of you guys explain from like uh, a medical perspective Jane's ailment? Because Jane is born female and then later is forced to transition into being a male. Um, I mean, Jordan's not here, but maybe <laughs> one of you guys. Brett's, from- Brett's mom is a sex education teacher. He might be able to mm. fill us in. Yeah, I'm not calling my mom. That's right. <laughs> but you should know. It's she's the person's intersex. They have uh, different characteristics of either sex, and like my dog, uh, my old dog was that he had. Uh, Male and female parts, and I think there's variations of what can be in there and what cannot. And Jane just happened to have both sets of both, which I'm guessing is very rare, but I can't. I'm not the one to. So, like, it was inside? She had two. She had both sets inside, Mm -hmm. and she was female outward. Um, And then after she gave birth, like her. She had a hysterectomy. Yeah, she had to have a hysterectomy, and they created a urinary tract from the inside male she already have, so she had to transition. One in 1,500 people are intersex. Yeah, but I was talking about like having both sets. Maybe the, I, Reproductive organs? Maybe that's more rare. I mean, so after, the fact that both worked, I mean, to have a baby and to be able to produce a baby has got to be unbelievably rare, but I could be wrong. One of a kind. After she had the baby and they did the procedure, she's finally able to say for the first time, like McLovin. I have a pony. I have a pony. Oh, yeah, that was a good line. Great line, great writing. 
Like, was there any part of this movie for you guys that gave it all away really early, or were you let on pretty like well out throughout the movie? Little bits and pieces throughout, but definitely like it was towards the very end when Brittany, I think, said that was oh, God. I don't remember what she said. I was like, oh my gosh, it's very little bits at a time. This I have a hard time believing anyone could come up with everything that happened at one point. Can I have a complaint, Stevie? Go ahead. This is what this podcast is for. I I was like shocked and thrilled by the twists and turns of this movie and then it like near the end of the movie there's like this montage where like almost like the linear story is told yeah they show all the janes and john and barkeep throughout that's for dummies right like we don't need that in a movie for (laughs) grown-ups like doesn't that ruin it (laughs) i knew you were gonna hate that part (laughs) i mean come on like can you just trust your audience to like I think there's a lot of trust your audience in this movie. <laughs> um, I didn't mind that sequence, especially with the score behind it. Because uh, I do like the score of this movie quite a bit. Love the score. I definitely do think it is kind of the light bulb for people. It is kind of that light bulb moment. Um, but this is probably the fifth time I watched this movie, and I didn't mind it. I think it was kind of neat to watch, like, the person grow from baby to adulthood to crazy Willie Nelson bomber. I just found myself judging like how well did they do in the production here to make this look like it could be the same person throughout all these ages. So maybe it did take away my suspension of disbelief a little bit. Uh, and also I the Jane to bar John is pretty good. Yeah, I think she is, but, but, but the, to Ethan Hawke is a bit of a stretch. I mean, but he's also getting his face blown off. And- to Pappy's point, though, just knowing Pappy <laughs> would hate this flashback scene so much <laughs> destroyed my suspension of disbelief. Because I shouldn't be thinking about Pappy. I'm, I'm sorry. in the midst of, like, the climactic end of the movie. <laughs> Wait, you're thinking of Pappy during the climax? <laughs> when am I not thinking of Pappy? <laughs> but, like, Stevie, my only point to that would be, like, we did Arrival on this podcast, another time travel movie. and That's like, a trust your audience movie. You and I spent the whole car ride home and then the next 40 minutes on the podcast, like, just straight trying to, like, parse out what happened. I, I feel like I ex- enjoy that experience more, don't you? God, I love that movie. Yeah, um... I agree with you there, because that is a very trust-your-audience movie. So I do think you're right. If they if they cut this part of Baby you know, baby Jane Orphan to William Nelson Fizzle Bomber, the movie doesn't change at all. Mm-hmm. It, it is kind of like an unnecessary montage to have. Did, did this movie influence whatever happened to Baby Jane? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so two people got that. Okay, that's good. That's, that's <laughs> all right. Explain, Brett, for the audience that doesn't know. Pappy, what is that, a 50s movie? I... With uh, Joan Crawford and that... Uh, yeah, I think it's a 50s movie. Absolutely. Betty Davis. I don't think I've seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I haven't either. It's like a horror movie. It's the only movie they they worked together in, and they freaking hated each other. Who's they? Uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. And the baby. Betty Davis hated someone. I find that hard to believe. She seems so nice. They used to, they messed with each other so bad. Like, they hate each other. They were fond of the same guy. But anyway, at least somebody got it, and we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was going to say, before we get to yes or no's, uh, is there anything else you guys, like, stood out to you guys? Um, I loved the scene um, when Jane and 
John are talking like their date. I don't like know. Like on I, the bench or at dinner? Any kind of any of it, especially the dinner. I, I really, really like that. I know it's not very long, uh, but I thought it was really cool. And I mean, it's pretty unique. I don't know if that's happened many times in movie history where they're talking. I don't know. I, I really liked that. I enjoyed the conversation and how they, she kind of pushed, he kind of pushed Jane's buttons, but Jane kind of got over it pretty quickly just because they knew each other so well. I don't know. I liked it. That's where, like, I really commend Sarah Snook, who played Jane and John, um, for her acting, because she was literally just talking and reacting to nobody. Yeah. Um, and then they spliced it together at the end. I think that's really neat. I agree. Really that, good was, acting. that was really well done. But I will contrast in saying I wasn't as huge of a fan of her recounting the story in the bar. I like the banter between her and Ethan Hawke. But when she was like, all right, let's start at the beginning. Maybe that's more the writing than the acting, but it, it yeah. was a little bit on the nose there, I think. Well, you kind of have to talk about the baby because it's an integral part because the baby gets kidnapped. Yeah, but. Yeah. She was a foundling, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You got to start at the beginning. <laughs> Just like this pod Just did. Just like this pod. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? I have a question for you guys. Yes. What if I could put the man that ruined your life in front of you? <laughs> if I Show could me guarantee a mirror. that you could get away with it, would you kill him? Uh, well, bang Corey him ruined my life when he took over my spot in the pod, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, Corey. You know I'm joking. So we should meet. We should meet, Corey. <laughs> oh, my God. Not in California, though. Maybe more of a red state, so. Pappy's oh, been Jesus. setting, Mr. Papperson has been setting this up since the beginning of time. <laughs> Mr. Papperson. <laughs> He's the puppet master. We're just his puppets. Two podcasters no. enter, one podcaster leaves. But <laughs> no, I don't think I would, Corey. I wouldn't kill Definitely not. I, I, someone. I couldn't kill really anybody. No. Josh, I know you got that killer instinct. No, I Josh mean, especially if it's someone that, like a love interest that left you, of course you're leaving yourself vulnerable to look in the eye of someone that you previously loved. No, I'm probably not pulling the trigger. That's weird. Female Josh yeah, going she's... to kill male Josh. <laughs> I can see it. She's, uh... She doesn't hesitate to want to kill this guy either. She's kind of made her mind up pretty quickly once Ethan Hawke <laughs> lays the option out there. So, I don't know. She must have a lot of hate in her heart. She's been writing <laughs> this weird women's confessional mag for too long, bro. <laughs> long, bro. <laughs> the money isn't good. Just want to get back to the space force. Want to get back to frying burgers. <laughs> back to the space force. <laughs> oh, this pot is pure insanity. I love it. Can I ask one more question for the group? Please. Uh, I, I would like everyone to answer. Do you think you would have sex with the female version of yourself? No. Uh, well, I mean, be honest. Hmm. <laughs> would I have to be born from myself? <laughs> yeah, you're wearing a rubber or... <laughs> am, am I following the same paradox, Pat? You know. You know it's yourself. So I'm the guy. Do, do I, I have look to... like Ethan Hawke? You look like you. <laughs> oh, okay. Then no. <laughs> do I look like Ethan Hawke? No. <laughs> If I, I mean, I already have sex with the male version of myself. Yeah. So. 
I might as well do it, but no homo. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I, would. I have another question that kind of begs an answer, Pappy. Um, is this considered screwing yourself or masturbation? Ah, the Austin Powers question. <laughs> this has to be the truest form of love, Josh. <laughs> Loving yourself. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it also kind of like underhanded on bar john's part i mean he knows all the right things to say to this woman because he was this woman so it's like kind of a little bit manipulative it's confusing as hell (laughs) when you think about it (laughs) yeah i mean it's weird right yeah because i was wondering if he's saying that because he remembered it being said to him or if he was just saying it because it came naturally because that's a lot to remember to say those specific things yeah What's the time frame of them having sex to get impregnated to? Because it seems like they went straight from the college to that bench. That college was in what, 63? On Wikipedia, it says it's a few months later that uh, okay. what's the face comes back. So it's basically like Gandalf going off to study yeah. up and coming <laughs> back. It feels like an hour, but it's really like 17 years. <laughs> Is it really that long? Yeah. That's still shocking to me, but I don't know. That's like the hardest part to wrap my brain around in this movie is could I have sex with myself to produce myself? <laughs> Three Stevies? Nope. No, thank I think you. If you want to stay alive, then you got to do don't it. Don't I have to do that? Because yeah. I love life, man. Like, <laughs> I just want to see the old, cracked out, long hair Stevie. <laughs> oh, no one wants to see that. Psycho Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> It's been Pappy the whole time, man. Just laying down the dominoes. <laughs> Who would you rather bone, Meg Ryan or Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson now or 1974? 1974. 74. <laughs> Meg Ryan. Meg All right, let's move into yes or no's. Um, Should I start this table? Josh. I like time travel movies. I think they're fun. After everything I talked crap about you, I kind of get why this is a comfort movie that you said last time. Like, I think it's worth really trying to think hard about, like, once... But I could see subsequent viewings of this just kind of being like, these are fun scenes back to back to back to back. Um, (laughs) It seems illogical that this was all about Mr. Robertson trying to create a Jesus character, Immaculate Conception. So I'm (laughs) I don't know. The plot folds on itself a little bit, but that happens in every time travel movie. It's not quite as high as like Donnie Darko interstellar primer or interstellar i think even prestige is above this it's not quite time travel but it's kind of the same sort of genre you it's not quite as good as those but it's really close dude it's a it's a very strong yes for me solid mikey yeah when i was watching it i was i don't know if you guys have seen this movie but i was comparing it to the movie upgrade which is kind of like a b sci-fi movie uh that came out a couple years ago and it's uh it's uh, upgrade doesn't deal with um time travel or anything it deals more with like uh 
like mechanical human augmentation with like robotics and stuff like that. Uh, and but, AI. Yeah, AI and stuff. But I got kind of like the same vibes from that, and I really liked that movie a lot. And I went into this movie not really knowing what Predestination was about uh, at all. So when it turned out to be kind of like a sci-fi time travel movie that kind of surprised me a lot i wasn't really expecting that at all but i think it's good like josh said the plot gets kind of a little thin at the end i guess because just dealing with time is just so convoluted and it can be so messy but i really it really kind of like engaged me in the beginning and uh i like um the actress the actress is doing a really good job in this movie i, I can't remember her name sarah snook sarah snook yeah she does a really good job and uh, i just know that she had to do like four hours of prosthetics and stuff before every <laughs> every shoot which is like that's a real commitment for such a a lower budget movie that's a lot of work for not a triple a or whatever a, a big budget movie so yeah i give her props I'll give it a, a soft yes. I I was uh, really surprised by what this movie turned out to be. Decent. Let's go to Corey. <clears throat> I have um, two movie lists on my phone. I have a list of movies that are like solid recommendations that I'm actually going to watch and that I want to watch. And I have a list of movies that people tell me you need to see this and I don't want to. And I just say I'll put it on the list to satiate them. This is on my actual watch list. In fact, it has been for a couple years. So I'm really glad that this was a pick for spoilers and I finally got to see it and I had a reason to force myself to sit down and watch it. The only thing I knew about this movie was that it was um, described as a really good time travel movie, which I like. And I did like this movie a lot. I'm going to give it a yes. I think the concept for this movie is extremely strong. And I, I just really liked the twists along the way and like where this ended up. It's one of those really cool time travel movies. That's like the best way to describe it. That's how I would describe it to someone if they were going to say, should I watch Predestination? I'd say, yeah, it's one of the coolest time travel movies. A lot of twists and turns and uh, yeah, just a solid yes for me. I liked it a lot. Good pick, Stevie. Thank you. Let's go to Brett. Uh, this is a solid, solid yes for me. I thought this was really cool. Um, I think this script might have been a little too ambitious for itself, but hey, it was a, a heck of a ride. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, the whole thing, but it was really, really cool. I thought the performances were really awesome. Um, like you guys were talking about the set piece in the Space core thing was just like super cool. It's like contrast of the really bright whites and the like the blues and just really cool. This is a definite yes. I will definitely recommend this movie to other people. Brett, I like what you said about ambitious there. There really are kind of like three or four twists on top of each other. Yeah. Someone someone, uh, described it as, uh, was it maybe Mikey, like plots folding on top of each other or something like that? That's like a perfect uh, description. Uh, Just a lot of folding, but it it was really cool. So there's a lot going on. Nice. And last but not least, Pappy. Yeah, it's a hard yes for me. Uh, I love how practical this movie is. The director's the Spirit Twins. Is that you said? Yeah, director, name? writer, Spirits. I watched like 30 minutes of the making of during lunch today, and they had like an extremely, extremely limited budget. And I, I just love what they pulled yeah. off with that. And like we talked about the production design in the Space Corps. Like there's one point where uh, Sarah Snook 
uh, Shiv from Succession is being interviewed, and there's like this giant like pegboard wall behind her, and it's just so cool. I've never seen anything like that, and like, yeah, like conceptually, like. I feel like there's like a bunch of different kinds of time travel movies. You have like stuff like Endgame where you can go back in the mm. past and like actually change the future, which is kind of stupid. <laughs> you have like the next level up, which is like kind of the Slaughterhouse Five arrival where like you're unstuck in time. So you can like move around in like your own lifetime and like re experience events, which is, which is cool. But like I, this just gives me such a little brain boner. The fact that you're like, you are stuck in time loving. and like the choices you make are always the choices you make. And like, just as like Corey says, the concept, that's like a hundred of a hundred for me. So like, this is the hardest of hardest of hardest of yeses. And I love time travel movies. Time bandits underrated. I wouldn't have picked time bandits. Which spoilers I, episode plug it like three. I think spoilers episode three. It was a rough day for out. Pap. <laughs> Oh, but I'm happy you enjoyed this one. Um, I absolutely love this movie. This probably is my favorite movie about time travel. Mm. Um, and anyone who enjoys, like, not just movies, but the art of, like, watching film being made or, like, movie making, watch the behind the scenes of how this movie was made. And you'll see, like, how much time and effort went into, like, making this movie. And I imagine, like, no one ever sets out to, like, make a bad movie. But just watching this pre-production on a smaller budget movie, I can't imagine how much pre-production goes into these large, grand scale, you know, $100 million, $200 movies. So, absolute yes for me. I like uh, like the budget thing. The time machine in this movie is just a violin case. Like, that's a pretty cool, cool idea. Very Pulp Fiction of that. Yeah. <laughs> also, the thing, we, we didn't mention, the thing that catches the bombs is really cool looking. Stevie, you were talking before the pod about the actual effect of going through time. It's really well pulled off. Yeah, so I love the effect of like the noise it makes, like kind of the clap when they like arrive mm-hmm. in time. Yeah, as well as what it does to the room. How they did that was they shot like twelve different scenes of the the Spirit Brothers throwing stuff around the room, and then removed themselves and spliced everything together that was being moved. Cool. And then they would take, like, leaf blowers and, like, blow paper or leaves or whatever around themselves. And just, like, the six or eight frame just kind of... Yeah, and the cool part was, I mean, it's flawless and seamless that they did this, but um, in the car, when he has the violin case and it blows out the windows, um, all the glass and everything about that was CGI. Like, that entire car scene oh, was nice. pretty much CGI. So what they did was the spirits were on both sides... Um, pushing the car back and forth for when he left, and then when they went into post, they CGI'd everything and around. It's it. like one spirit brother pressing record, the other pressing action. They both go on the other side of the car, pull it. Well, the cool thing <laughs> he was like is, wrote it. Like, what, yeah, where are the uh, production guys? They're wiping each other's butt. Well, the cool thing was is the spirit spent very minimal time behind the camera. It was the DP and cinematographer that was pretty much doing all the camera work. So they had hands freed up to jerk yep. a car around. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's all yeses, is it not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Decent. Preserved. Okay. Give me just one second here. Because I'm going to get ready for trivia. This is going to be not complicated, but give me just a second. For new listeners, we say preserved when it's all yeses and spoiled when it's all no's. Mm. So that is preserved. Okay. Not many spoiled movies. 
We need more, to be frank. The, was, the collector was spoiled, right? <laughs> the collect- collector was the last spoiled. And it was movie. so freaking <laughs> fun <laughs> and cool, too. Sorry, Josh. Similar Stevie hosts bouncing around the plot. I like it. It's Steve, the only way I know Stevie how to do panic. it because I have severe ADD. Uh, let me see here. Okay, you guys ready? Pap, I need your help. What's the official uh, order we're going in? Uh, so, sorry, Corey, but I went back and listened to the Castle in the Sky episode, which was Brett's first episode, and we did not give him the advantage <laughs> on that. We gave him the, the extreme disadvantage. So, it would be in order of like most recent host to least recent host, in quotes, it would be Corey, Brett, Pappy, Josh, Mikey. All right. So, the as closest to you can go over. Can or can? Can. We're not playing no prices right. Just closest to. How many days has there been from Ethan Hawke's first acting credit until the last one that was released? How many days? How many days has Ethan Hawke been a credited actor? So from his first act- acting experience, officially on IMDb, until the last one that was actually released. Uh, I don't know, 10,000. Damn it. One second. <laughs> <laughs> That's my number. That was a random number that I was going to get. Coming out hot! <laughs> supposed to have the advantage. Corey says 10K. Of all the numbers in the world, Corey, <laughs> choose mine. Infinite possibilities. Infinite loops. You've been in this loop before, haven't you? <laughs> He's been in this loop. Corey is the fizzle bomber. Brett? I was doing the math in my head earlier, and it was going to come out almost exactly to 10,000. So um, <laughs> I will say uh, 10,600. I'll say 10,601. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can I change mine? No. Real quick. 10,669? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll allow that. Okay. <laughs> uh, if I was last, I would just room, Brett. Oh, thanks. Happy in completely. Who's next? I'm next. Josh. I'll say thirteen thousand. Just so there's a little gap there, and give Mikey a tough decision. Going higher. <gasps> higher. My first choice was ten, but I'll go fifteen. Oh! <gasps> oh no. I thought it was going to be less than 10 if it was anything. Ethan Hawk is old. I don't think it's less, less than, than 10. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I should have got one 15. Y'all are some smart mother effers. Listen to that, Mom. I didn't cuss. So. <sighs> hi, Lisa. Hey, Mom. Hey, Lisa. How's it going? Oh, hi, Lisa. Oh, hello. So, our lo- I think this has been the longest streak since Mikey or Josh has hosted. Josh, what was your last host? Oh, gosh. King, uh, Kong? King Kong versus Godzilla. King Kong versus Godzilla. Wow! <laughs> felt like a young man back in those days. Mikey, what was your last host? Uh, Fast and Furious? It can't be. <sighs> Bubba, I feel sorry for you too. <laughs> no, but first, then there uh, were two. Blood. And coming in at a retail price. Oh yeah, he's got it. Of 12,085 days. That's pretty close! Your winner, Joshua Long! Good job, boys. Good job, boys. 
Good job. Welcome back. I thought you literally just said we didn't get it again. So it's like, <laughs> no, oh, you got so it. disappointed. <laughs> no, I said, and then there were two. It came down to you two. All right, can we kick it over to Spoiler Man? Yeah, let's kick it over to Spoiler Man. Let's give Josh a second to think about what Kevin Smith movie he's not going to pick. And we'll get back to it. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. Josh, what movie do you have for us next week? Okay, we were talking during the break. We kind of made an alliance to do the Fast and Furious movies. Oh. Uh, a couple people have already pulled out from that agreement, so I'm not going to honor that. Oh. We're- it's just me and you, Mikey. Oh. <laughs> it's just... We'll, we'll get it done. <laughs> I'll jump back on the bandwagon once someone else chooses one. I don't want to lead the charge, but we were talking about Chet Hanks earlier. I really like Tom Hanks. Spiegel. He's a really good actor. He should be higher to. He should be closer to our king of spoilers. I'm gonna go super generic and go straight up Forest Forest Gump. Yes! Oh my God! Let's go! <laughs> You know Pat hates this movie, right? I know. I know. Pat, <laughs> you, you, you're legendary. I, yeah. hate. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's a great I, movie. I'll save it for the I've seen it so many times. It's so good. Pick I've some seen bad it so many movies, times. you cowards. Hey, I picked The Collector, man. You're talking about bad movies. <laughs> That's I can't true. believe it. I also gave my own movie a Noah Seabiscuit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. I mean, if you haven't seen this movie and listened all the way through, it still probably won't make sense. Go watch Predestination. Uh, please, if you have seen it, thanks for listening. Watch it again. Support the Spirit Brother movies and also small movies, small budget movies. But uh, thanks for listening, and you're predestined for your own fate. You can't break it, so have fun with that. That was Spoilers. feels so good to do a movie episode again, a trivia episode again. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> it feels so good to be part of the podcast again. It feels nice. Just doing... Yeah, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Whoa, his pants get caught in a bloodbath in suits. Kid is back on the escalator again. Part of me wants to do Fast and Furious so bad. <laughs> Dude. You called for the alliance. I called for What? <laughs> The alliance. The fix was in. The family. For the family. Family. (laughs) And Coronas. You got one? Gondor blows its horn. Do it. Okay, I'm ready. Okay.